welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Thanks, Musos. You can have a seat. Come on, give him another clap. That's just... Aren't we blessed? I mean, that's a great song. I've heard that on, uh, you know, Spotify, but live, this is just so good. You guys, bring it. And what a good song. God, do what you're famous for. We, God is famous in our lives and we read the scripture and we read history but what's exciting is God is alive and still moving and always doing something that we can celebrate yeah and uh, it isn't always spectacular but it's still special and supernatural and you read that in the scriptures some lives have changed just in a powerful but subtle way and others of course have got dramatically famous notable examples of how God's moving Praise the Lord. Father, speak to us around the Word of God. Pray that you'd help us to just hearken and attend to your call on our lives on this day of celebration and see what we can learn in that line, in that area, for your glory in our lives. Amen. You know, um, many years ago, in my early 20s, I uh, was a teacher and I lived for six months and taught English in Bangkok, in Thailand. And the place that I lived was right near the airport. Um, and I mean right near the airport. Uh, and there was no curfew. And so the first uh, few nights, I would wake all the time because planes were taking off and landing. You'd hear the reverse thrust go on after they landed. And of course, the windows would shake when a plane would take off. And not only that, but the security guard that the locals had employed would go around this little area uh, where I lived, all the houses there, and he would uh, ding a piece of metal loudly on the hour, every hour, and according to the time, he would ding how many dings the time was, you know, and so that was his way of bringing a sense of security so people feel at home, and also to wake you up and remind you that it's 2am, which you really need to know, (laughs) and so I remember just lying there in bed thinking, I am never going to sleep. I'm a light sleeper and I just thought, how is this going to work? I just can't, I'm, this, I, I remember. And then a strange thing happened. After a couple of weeks, I wondered, have they brought in a curfew at the airport? They've stopped the planes taking off. And is that security guard slacking off or given up or whatever? Because I couldn't hear any of the sounds. And of course, nothing had changed. It's just that I had adapted. My body had coped and desensitised the hearing so I could make sure it got some sleep. And similarly, Ruth and I walked into a shop a few months ago up in Foster and were overwhelmed by this lovely sense of leather. It was, not surprisingly, a leather store. Had all sorts of lovely leather goods. And it smells great. And I said to the person, you know, in the shop, I said, oh, you must love it, the smell. She said, I don't notice it. Can't even smell a thing. And, uh, of course, the same thing had happened. She had become desensitised to the smell. And um, they, you know, just couldn't notice it uh, anymore. And it's a common phenomenon because scientists tell us that when we're presented with a constant uh, 
sound, image or smell or stimulus of some kind, something very peculiar happens that the appreciation we initially have diminishes and actually disappears after a time. And so, you know, you walk into a room and it smells of fresh bread, it's awesome, lovely, and then after a while you don't notice it. And the smell's still there, but you've become desensitised. And the only way to reawaken the smell or the sense is to actually leave, to step away and then re-enter, remember or refresh the memories or refresh the senses to get that sensation again. Um, And of course the problem is we can become very much desensitised to things that are in our lives that are really good, that are really special, that are really noteworthy, that are really worth celebrating, but uh, we take things for granted rather than taking them with gratitude. And a couple of psychologists uh, thought about this issue and they realised, yeah, look, everyone's got something to be grateful for. We've got a lot of things to be grateful for, but the problem is, are we thankful? Are we grateful? Are we remembering or have we become desensitised? These uh, psychologists, Emmons and McCulloch, uh, did some research. They wanted to discover the effects of reminding people about the good things that they already have in their life. And uh, so they assembled three different groups of people and they got them to spend a few minutes every week writing on what they were told to write about. So the first group were told to list five things that they were grateful for, that they had already in their lives. Second group were invited to write on five things that annoyed them. And then, and everyone loved that one, very easy to do. But the third group were uh, asked to write about random events that had happened during the week, neither positive nor negative. So the gratitude group, of course, commented on simple things like watching a sunset or spending time with their friends. Um, The annoyed group vented about all kinds of little annoyances in life. So, you know, the noisy kids or driving to work with the traffic or whatever. And the events group recorded incidental everyday stuff, just like making dinner or watching TV. And the results were startling. They noticed that the people reflecting and writing about things that they could be thankful for recorded much higher levels of well-being and happiness over the course of the study. And uh, compared to the other two groups, they were also physically healthier. They visited the doctor less often over time when they tracked and kept doing this procedure. They were motivated to exercise more and they were more optimistic about their future. Isn't that interesting? And, uh, and so we do well to pause and reflect and uh, assess and appreciate the good things in our life, the things that are constants which can be forgotten and overlooked and not appreciated for how wonderful they really are. And, of course, today is one of those days. We stop and we just thank God and thank people around us. And, of course, we focus on the Lord. We try to do this all the time uh, and appreciate him and praise him, worship him for who he is, thank him for what he's done, what he's doing, what he's going to do, his goodness, his grace, his mercy. He's saved us from sin. He sets us on a pathway to heaven. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. The blood of Jesus washes us from all the sin and guilt and stress and stuff of life that gets in and Jesus keeps washing that away. We don't earn it, we don't deserve it, but we embrace it and appreciate it. Isn't it awesome? It's amazing 
We just have to be reminded sometimes how amazing God is and how good he is. And of course, his church, it's not perfect. (laughs) We're all here. What do they say? Oh, you'll never find a perfect church. And if you do, don't join it because you'll ruin it and then it won't be perfect. And so, you know, there's no perfect church, but still we have this great community of faith, hope and love of like-minded people following Jesus, serving Jesus. We create a, a place for people to be welcomed, to find a home, to find a, a, a salvation station, a, a, a resting place in the craziness of life. We offer help to others, so we sense satisfaction in that. But there are times when we need to lean on someone and receive help, and they pray for us and stand with us and are loyal and faithful to us. And, and that's just a great community that we strive to build all the time. And, um, and then, of course, we've got other relationships in our lives that we can and should be thankful for. Our friends and family and workmates and people in and around the place. We should be thankful for this great nation. And, uh, you know, we've got to be careful. As Australians, we can, we can be whingers and knockers sometimes. But if you've travelled, <laughs> no one has this year, but previously, uh, you'll appreciate we have a very good health system. I hate it when I hear people whinging about, in fact, I make an effort whenever I go to any health professional or whatever, I comment and I say, fantastic, you're doing a great job. What a great health system we've got. And I know people will go, oh no, you don't know the stories. Yeah, I can tell you some stories from people overseas. You've got no idea. So, you know, we've got a good system. We've got political security. We're, you know, we've got a stable government. We've got economic stability. We've got, you know... A whole lot to be thankful for. We have, you know, Australia is rated as the fourth highest standard of living in the world. Fourth? Fourth? That's not even a medal. Settle down. So I just looked at who got number one, two and three. Well, I'll be glad to say it's not New Zealand. Right. We got more sports. They only got one. The, the top three are Denmark, Switzerland and Finland. But let's face it, they only get it because of chocolate and snow. And we can buy their chocolate and we've got snow. Yes, it's slushy, but we've got some. And they obviously didn't have beaches in the criteria. Because I've been to the beaches. You know, they're, they're not beaches. They're just cold little rocky things. Right, you know, we have the best beaches in the world and they're free and they're just over there. So if you live on the coast, you're kilometres away. Gordon, eh, it's sort of like, you know, 4.2 standard of living. So I, I give Australia a number one and I don't know, whoever. Also, God loves celebration. It's good to celebrate. God loves it so much that, you know, he commanded his chosen people, the Jewish people, the Israeli nation in the Old Testament, to celebrate seven festivals and feasts a year. That's like every six weeks. <laughs> Seriously. So, so, well, okay, eight weeks, seven point, you know, it's, it, it's quite often. Uh, so just as soon as people are starting to get complacent or complaining or despondent or depressed, God says, hey, come on. Cook the, kill the fatted calf and, you know, do your dancing and get the timbles and the shrimbles and the, you know, and off they go with all the, because, you know, you look at Jewish culture, they still get into it. They do a lot of celebrating. I've been to a wedding, you know, with these guys where, oh, they got, you know, 
the DJ they brought from South Africa because he's the best Jewish DJ in the world and the food was incredible. Every table had the flower display that normally only the bride and groom's table gets. You couldn't see anyone on the other side. There's this forest of flowers. It was, it was just incredible, amazing. It must have been the most expensive wedding I've ever been to. And everyone had to dance. They go, you know. So they know how to celebrate. The problem that they had, of course, is that sometimes the Jewish people just got into the religiosity of the celebrations and forgot who they were celebrating to the point that they missed Jesus, the Messiah, when he came. So we've got to be careful that we don't just caught up in the habit, the details, the structure of it all, but we really appreciate who it's all about. Because the Bible actually warns us, I won't look there right now, but you can look up later. In Colossians 2, there's a scripture that says, effectively, don't get caught up with celebrating religiously because he, it says, uh, Paul's writing, he says, some people get caught up about particular festivals or particular days. He says, but the, the rules are only shadows of the reality. And the reality is Christ himself. And so we got to remember Jesus. Of course, Christmas, we use that catch cry, he's the reason for the season. But it's true. It's more than a cliche. It's something that we really do. We remember. We have all the fun, the festivities, the food and all that. But we look to the Lord and we celebrate the Lord. We appreciate him above everything else. So I want to look at one uh, verse and just unpack a few things briefly. Um, Psalm 118, verse 24. You may know this verse. Simply says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. What a powerful, punchy little passage that is. This is that I want us just to note three things with me. First of all, this is the day. Today. This is the day. Not yesterday, not tomorrow. But today, so we're not just reminiscing about the past, we're not fantasizing about the future, we are appreciating the present, we're embracing the present. What did Robin Williams make famous? Carpe diem, you know, brought it to the masses in some movie years ago. Seize the day, I think the Latin phrase is translated, and so that's all important uh, for us, not necessarily. Uh, you know, to, to do everything uh, that needs to be done, uh, although I'm all into, you know, getting things accomplished and living an active life and all that, but, but seize the opportunity to appreciate today you can celebrate God. You can celebrate so many things. We've all got things to be thankful for, right? We just have to remind ourselves to be thankful. Secondly, notice it's the day the Lord has made. God don't make no junk as I heard an African-American preacher say uh, powerfully many years ago, if God makes something, he makes it well. He makes a masterpiece. He makes something beautifully and brilliantly and perfectly. And so today when God presents us with this gift, this creation, I do well to appreciate that and say, thank you, God, for this gift you've given me, this day you've given me. I'm going to enjoy it and appreciate it. And he's made you too. And you've got to know that whatever God makes is wonderful, and that's you. I'm, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, the psalmist says in Psalm 139. And so you, you know, this is not ego puffing. This is just appreciation of God's creation. You want to enjoy who you are and enjoy your life and appreciate the good things you've got in your life. And of course, watch this. The opposite of, of appreciation of gratefulness, of thankfulness, is often comparison. 
If you start comparing your life to someone else's, it's very hard to stay thankful because you'll start noticing the things in their life that you don't seem to have. And even though the grass really isn't greener on the other side, you'll be unconvinced of that. You'll think, no, 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 really, that grass really does look greener. They've got this going on in their life. Oh, I wish I had that. Or I haven't got this. Or why haven't they got that problem? And they've got their own deal. They've got their own stuff. And we've got to be careful we don't just focus on others and on what seems to be so good in their life, whether that's their fame or their fortune or their fantastic good looks or whatever. Because you turn on the screen, you all these people dancing across the screen and they've just all got the perfect skin and, you know, and they look so happy and all that. And, you know, they, like I said, they'll have their stuff <laughs> going on. Um, and so as long as we focus on others, we're going to miss the opportunity to appreciate the good things that are actually going on in our life. Um, and you don't get to live someone else's life anyway. So even if it really is better, it's just bashing your head against a wall. You're never going to get over the fence and see the grass and live in that grass. You might as well just mow and water your own and do your best. <laughs> so um, it, it really is important that we just don't get caught up with that, that we just say, God, I'm thankful right now for what you've given me, yeah, my life, this day. And notice thirdly, we will rejoice. That's decision. We will rejoice. We will be glad. To celebrate, I'm going to, I decide, I make the choice to rejoice. I decide to be glad. I have, what do they say? I'm going to have the attitude of gratitude. It's something I will develop, I'll cultivate, I will express, even when things aren't going my way. This is important because it's very easy to complain, isn't it? To be negative. But, you know, regardless of the circumstances, we've always got something to be thankful for. Um, the reality is, as a Christian, Jesus is all you need. Now, that can seem like a very glib statement, but it is true. It isn't just a, a cliche to be thrown away. It's, it's a statement that is worth pursuing and exploring and living into, that Jesus is all we need. Because, you know, worldly culture, uh, you know, our culture says we... we sh- there's something in our culture that, that wants us to find fault in people, to complain about things, to get down on stuff, to, to whinge and whine and, and to be a victim. But God's kingdom culture is, says, no, you're a victor, not a victim, that you have many things to be thankful for, that life is to be appreciated, that today is the day he's made. Let's rejoice in it. And as Paul said to the Philippians, he had learned the secret of being content in every situation. That secret is available for every one of us to find and to discover. And sadly, many people, Christians who should know better, who could have found it, haven't gone looking hard enough to find it. And they're just joining the masses of whinges and saying, oh, yeah, it's just the Bible. It's like, yeah, that's the Word of God for you to lean into. You know, that's for you to get a hold of, brother, and become someone who goes, yeah, I know the secret of being content in all situations. And, you know, J.I. Packer, the famous theologian, who passed away only a few months ago, he once wrote this, we dishonour God when we proclaim a saviour who satisfies and then go around discontent. I think, I don't want to dishonour God and be a whinger. If he was an Australian, he would have said it like this, we dishonour God when we say Jesus is good and then go whinging um, everywhere and being a drongo. Um, 
so, you know, we dishonour God when we proclaim a Saviour who satisfies and then go around discontent. So let's honour God by being content and thankful. Because let's face it, thankfulness sometimes gets a bad rap. Like, like it seems uh, too shallow, like a Pollyanna kind of person if you're just like thankful, happy, like, oh, what are you, blonde? You're just ah, kind of a bit, you know, positive, too much. You know, it's kind of... Uh, cooler or tougher. I notice with some blokes, you mix with some blokes who are, it's easy to just bang on about the government or the, uh, I've, I've not heard, I ride some dirt bikes with some guys. I've, I don't know who they vote for. I don't, I don't know who they vote for because they complain about everybody. They're like, oh, he's an idiot. And that guy, yeah, you know, and they'll lean into American politics too. They all got opinions about, I think, so which guy do you like? I don't, you don't, I don't understand. You're having a go at him, but you're having a go at the guy on the other team. And they're all, but it just seems kind of a tough thing to lean into, to just kind of, ah, yeah, just have a complaint. Just like, weird, yeah, yeah. Then you get on one of the cops. Ah, don't get me started. Up. Police, you know, and the speeding. And, ah, yeah. Actually, I lean into that one a little bit sometimes. <laughs> yeah, speeding. Yeah. We did have a policeman in our church who pointed out that I'd mentioned there were no highway patrolmen in heaven. And he, I said, yeah, I think I did that. He said, yes, twice. You said it twice. Okay. It's no longer here. Um, but, uh, but it's true. There aren't any highway patrolmen in heaven. Uh, but if you're a highway patrolman, God bless you. See you in heaven. Get another job because I'm going to go as fast as I like up there. And, uh, you know, God's spoken. <laughs> Got a prophetic word on that. Um, okay, so, all right, okay. All right, sorry. All right, we're not talking about ridiculous speed limits. We're talking about the Word of God, right? So, um, but really, to be grateful isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength and maturity. So don't don't worry, but you be that guy. You know what I'm saying? In your workplace, if you're all your tough blokes, oh, yeah, having a whinge about, yeah, you don't have to lean and go, oh, it's nothing. Yeah, well, this buffet, da 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 da. It's like you know, actually, bam, and just hit him. Like I've said that a number of times in some conversations. Just come in and strong and just so, especially with our current Prime Minister, I think he's a, he's a flipping born-again Christian. So I tell him, I spoke to one motorbike shop, the guy's whinging about taxes and blaming Scott Morris and that. I said, you know, Scott Morris has got nothing to do with it. And, and uh, you know, some government department, the taxing tariffs on imported motorbikes or whatever. I said, no, no, he's a great guy. And I said, he's a Christian. He's a, he's a man of God. He prays. And the guy's like, what's going on here? But I said it in a happy way. I was like, no, 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 truly. No, he's, honestly, he's a really good guy. Because Christian people, generally, they're not perfect. But, you know, he's on about trying to help people. You know, he's a, he's a good bloke. You know, yeah, yeah, right on, mate. You going to buy a motorbike or what? You know? <laughs> but uh, anyway, look, let me finish with this. Theologians tell us this psalm, it's not... Uh, absolutely sure, but it's very likely to be written by David. He wrote a whole bunch of others and he doesn't identify himself here. But we know if it was written by him, it would make sense because we know that he had his highs and his lows and that he learned this secret of worshipping God and being thankful in God and embracing every day, whether it was a good one or a bad one. Because he slayed Goliath and he became king, but he also had King Saul try to kill him. He had his own son betray him. He had people against him. So he had some good days and some really bad days. But he knows, but, but, and he was not a wuss. He killed lions and bears with his bare hands. He slew the giant, you know. So he was a tough guy, but he was smart and worshipped God and gave thanks to God. And so I think the attitude of gratitude 
It's not a wussy, weak kind of deal. It is a sign of maturity, sign of growing up and being strong and appreciating the good things in life. And let's face it, you live that kind of life, people enjoy your company a lot more too. You know, be a whinger and like, yeah, okay, I've got to go. You know, people are a little, you know. So bring that to the conversation, yeah? Let's be people that shine light and lift the conversation, lift the atmosphere and help people to find something to appreciate about life and especially God himself. Let's point to the Lord in our own life and for other people to focus. We celebrate him every day, yeah? We rejoice in today. We're glad in it. We don't take anything for granted, but we take all things with gratitude. Amen. Praise him. Let's pray. Wonderful. Father God, we thank you. Wow, you are good as we sing. You are good. You are so good. And today we remember and appreciate you. We think of the good things in our lives. We want to be we want to be as positive as you are, not in a silly, overwrought, uh, illogical way. We can be realistic. We can assess negative situations, but we thank you for your promises. <laughs> yes and amen in Christ and they bring change and we trust in you and all things work together for good for those who are called according to your purpose and love you. And so we bring that to the table and we want to shine light and lift people's lives up with this attitude. And I pray for everyone online today, they take a hold of this message and this gathering that we've had of celebration and that it will also make an impartation in their life. And just most importantly, as we come to a close today, I want to encourage you to give your life to God, to lose your life so you find it. That's what Jesus said. He said, you must be born again. In other words, give God your old life and He will bring you alive again. He'll rebirth you. He'll, he'll bring you to life. He'll give you His life forgives you, for, washes away all the junk, the sin, the mistakes from the past and He sets you on this great path into the future. You just got to do that. Pray a prayer, a simple prayer of commitment to God. Just say, I'm sorry God for my sin, for my past. Thank you Jesus for coming to earth, for dying on the cross in my place, for forgiving me for my sin. Come into my life Jesus. Be my Lord, my leader. And help me to follow you all the days of my life. You pray that prayer and you'll never be the same again. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Even if it's a recommitment, come on, pray that prayer. Give your life to God and follow Him. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.